Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks. And ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is what I gave up my overtime pay for. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. Kevin is not here. Allegedly still important at his job. Could not find the time here, but uh, we'll press on without him. Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks Podcast. We are back uh, another week closer to Mighty Ducks Game Changers launching. Uh, hopefully we'll have more stuff. I've, I've put out some feelers, try to figure out, try to track down Emilio and whatnot. So we'll see if those come through. But uh, in the meantime, we have the winner of Quiet Question of the Year 2020. It was uh, at 28 underscore 8 KBPS tweets, a.k.a. Nigel. Duck called the Nigel. And we Offer Nigel the chance to come on. If that is his real name, I don't know. That's his Twitter. That's what it says on Twitter. Uh, he said he humbly declined. He just, uh, you know, wants to remain a man of mystery, I guess. So uh, congratulations to him anyway. It's truly uh, remarkable to find someone so humble, particularly among our quackalites. We're used to the Jared Beasley's of the world <laughs> um, just DMing us all the time. Um so appreciate that someone who's not uh, clout chasing as the kids say <laughs> um really really uh, really nice to see someone who might win an election and, and be so humble wow just throwing some unnecessary shade at jared beasley so uh jared i i think you're a humble guy too just uh, direct all hate mail to tommy or actually just direct it to kevin he's not here uh so he was he's the one who told tommy to say that um exactly yeah, so it was a close race, quite question of the year, as I put out on Sunday night. Um, Michael F. and uh, Nigel were separated by two votes, and then uh, Nigel really came through at the end, ended up uh, with a about eight percentage point lead by the end of it. He had about, or I guess it was what? It was a five percentage point lead. I can't do math. Uh, he had about 42% of the vote. Um Michael F had about 37 and everybody else fell off uh, dramatically. Bill hung in there for a while. Uh, Bill had the question about Charlie's mom and Mr. Hall, uh, which I liked, which was probably would have been my pick, but uh, we are people's podcasts. It's not my choice. So uh, yeah, Nigel really pulls away with it with his uh, little big league to Mighty Ducks crossover. Uh, Here is the question again. He said, so I've been thinking about this more than I should, but I'm 100% convinced that Little Big League and the Mighty Ducks take place in the same universe. In Little Big League, the Twins are playing for the wild card, which means it must be the 1994 season. Billy Hayward is 12 years old. D2 was released in 1994 and believed to take place in 1994. 
with the Ducks one year removed from Pee Wees, then it's safe to say they are 12 to 13 years old. This means Billy Haywood and the Ducks are about the same age in the same city and both are celebrities. It's possible that they know each other or have met, or maybe Billy and Adam Banks even go to the same school. Also in the Mighty Ducks, Jesse and Terry's dad complains about missing overtime to attend games. Does he get a second job? And little big league who shows up as the security guard in the Metrodome, the Hall brothers dad to top it all off in D2 Gordon Bombay discusses endorsements and investments and his big ideas that air Bombay loafer for kids who want to coach. I believe he makes this happen. And Billy Haywood is the face of the air Bombay loafer. We obviously discussed extensively uh, when it came up last year. I, we, we agreed with his assessment. We said, you know, Billy is probably the spokesperson, even though, you know, managers don't wear loafers during games, but he's also the owner. They have to travel. We think he still, as a spokesperson, does commercials for it. Um, so a lot to go on there. We're going to expand on it a little bit. In the absence of Nigel, um, we're going to expand on it just a bit. Um, first of all, do we think Billy Haywood and Gordon Bombay are successful in this endeavor now that he's got an you know a big time probably the the biggest name in kids coaching attached to his line well if you're going to get a name attached to the line it's going to be bill haywood um and be interesting to see um so there's a a part in little big lead where billy who tries to kind of seem less like a kid so he goes by bill instead and so you gotta be interesting which it's it's like the captain blood alternative gordon Bave. so you know which um which William Haywood is going to be signing on here? Is he going to be the, you know, the Billy Haywood who's like fun and loves it, or is it going to be the Bill Haywood who's like serious and businesslike? And so that could really dictate the tone of some of these like marketing uh, and ad campaigns they have. Um, so I, it, it could be successful. I think it really depends on, you know, how big is this demographic of kids who want to coach? I think, you know, kids would want to coach, but it's like the fallback. Like when you're 12 and 13, you, even though you're like, you might have like what they call a podcast body, you probably still think there's a way for you to go pro. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're sort of selling the dream kind of how they, the like whole stats revolution did it for a bunch of people. Like, Hey, they weren't good enough to play baseball, but they could work for an organization because they were smart and they had like the data analytics and it sort of kept the dream alive for all those people. Uh, you make a good point about Bill and William and Billy Haywood. Like we could see this end disastrously as Bill Haywood gets a big uh, ego uh, sort of pulls a D2 Bombay starts hanging around with the wrong people. um, And then he's all of a sudden not the greatest face for these loafers. Um, So that is my worry that Bill Haywood sort of goes off the rails after his early success, kind of um, child star esque there. But do we think he has like a sound enough mind to make it through all this? Um, I think he does, especially because he makes a very grown-up decision to to step step away from managing. Um, you got to figure he um he would probably be more of like a like a Jerry Jones type owner GM, possibly. Um, although, in like like you said, baseball GMs are you know the the smart guys, the Ivy Leaguers. Um, but at the same time, would people not want to play for him? You know, there's a part in the big league where like people don't like the idea of like playing for a kid, um, which I think makes sense for executives. But I think players would be like, well, just give me as much money as you want. I don't give a shit who I'm playing for. Um, 
which is evidenced by some other questionable owners in other leagues across the world. Um, you know, I think he's got what it takes. Um, I think especially because uh, their all-star Lou, first baseman, marries his mom. Mm. Um, so he's going to keep him grounded as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the the mature decision to step away, I'd forgotten about that. I, I It's been a while since I watched Little Big League. I should have watched it as we prepared for this pod. And if, um, we, uh, and if we think that Little Big League is also in the same universe as the West Wing, then Lou becomes a very successful uh, reporter. Um, <laughs> including but not limited to to uh for uh, the dallas morning news among the other papers that he works for wow lou quite the life for lou there um yeah that's a good point he's got a father figure in his life he's got some money um yeah i think he could make it i, I with the right guidance i think he can make it um now when this first to, to change gears a little bit when we first discussed this uh, there's some twitter talk uh, at giant king one three five five two eight mentioned to us on twitter after the episode came out there was a strike in 94 are we talking about a different universe because i'd be fine with that um nigel responded he said i think little big league is meant to portray the 94 season if it had been played out if the movie in the movie they have a playoff game to determine the wild card winner in mlb 94 would have been the first season of the wild card but due to the strike the first wild card winner wasn't until 1995 the question here, so when the when the strike stopped in 94, the Twins were in fifth place in the division. Uh, they were 14 games back. So, I mean, it is possible they have this this owner and they, they find, uh, I guess, they find fire down the stretch there and make it into the wild card spot. So, uh, I guess this would work. But... Um, the way I guess the facts are presented, I guess it has to be the 94 season. I was not uh, thinking about the whole wild card aspect of it. So just quite a run for Billy Haywood in that 94 season to come all the way back, make the wild card uh, sign on. Is there anything um, else in terms of the crossover? We talked about the security guard at the Metrodome. Um, that kind of fits with Terry and Jesse's dad. You know, he's got to give up his overtime pay to see uh, hockey games at, on the same nights as Twins games. Uh, Air Bombay Loafer, it all makes sense. The only question, I guess, we didn't really cover are Billy and Adam Banks. Do we see them running in the same circles? Um, Billy and his friends in the movie seem a little bit more down to earth than Banks. Um, although Billy gets a big head. So I don't get the sense that Billy is like super duper popular. Um, also for essentially being a mega millionaire's child, he is very down to earth or not child, grandson, very down to earth. Um, so, and Banks, Banks' dad has been well established as being like a piece of shit. Um, and uh, Billy's mom seems very, very nice. So I don't get the feeling they're running in the same circles, even if they were at the same school. But maybe like Banks' dad and Billy's grandpa are at the same country club. So mm. maybe they, they see each other once every couple months and they're like at the batting cages or something. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like Banks is at like a sort of obviously a higher income level, but I feel like Billy is like way beyond that even. 
Um, so he's probably in some sort of private school. Banks may well. He's definitely in public school based oh, on right. the scenes in the in the documentary. Mm. Um, but they they are pretty modest. Um, now, of course, um, Billy's dad is not in the picture, and we don't really know if um, Billy's grandpa, the, the former owner of the Twins, had a lot of other kids or anything. But he does say that Billy was his best friend. Um, very touching, of course. <laughs> um, so. I, I don't get the feeling that Billy has been, you know, spoiled to death or anything. Um, and it seems like his mom is also um, a better parent than, um, than Banks' dad. Yeah. So we're saying Billy probably lives like a relatively normal life then. So maybe he, yeah, he doesn't go, he doesn't live on the same level or, or, or way above Banks there. So I like yeah, to think that they're like grandpa and, and Banks' dad are part of the same country club. And so they've, they've crossed paths. Yeah, but they aren't like best friends. Right. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, this all fits. Obviously, the Quack Lights agreed they voted for. Um, uh, just a, a great question. The first of uh, maybe many crossover questions. So uh, we were discussing it. And obviously, Little Big League, classic of the genre, along with the Mighty Ducks. Um, so in honor of the quack question of the year in honor of 28 underscore eight KBPS tweets. We are going to discuss, you know, the best and worst kids sports movies, uh, maybe relate them to the mighty ducks, uh, figure out if we're crossing paths any el- anywhere else. Um, so send us your thoughts. Cause there are a lot out there in that time period. Obviously you have the big ones. You have like little giant, you have big green, uh, but you know, I so are we just doing kids sports movies or sports movies in general? I would say kids sports movies, you okay. know, ragtag team. Well, maybe not ragtag team, but you know, team comes together or maybe you have a luck of the Irish situation where things get crazy. Sports uh, is a, sp- a central theme to it. Like Brink, it's about soul skating. Exactly. Obviously you have the air buds. There's angels have- in the outfield, angels in the end zone. Is there an oh. angel in the goal? <laughs> I don't think so. I think they stopped after that. Um, but there's a lot out there. Tell us your favorites. If you have any theories about them, especially as they relate to the Mighty Ducks, uh, we want to hear it because uh, yeah, we're going to make a whole episode out of it. We're going to go through, because again, there are a lot of them from the big ones to the Disney Channel ones to everywhere in between. Uh, Tommy has one he wants to discuss. We'll, we'll leave that as a... Uh, as a, a little teaser but uh it wasn't a good one from what tommy tells me so um i won't it's a baseball movie and so if anyone can can guess it good for them um i remember watching i was like homesick one day and my mom had just like gone to the store and she's like oh i found this like movie for you i was i was probably like 11 or 12 and i remember watching it and being like this is a piece of shit and when <laughs> i'm like and when you're an 11 you like every movie you see yeah um, I did watch it a few times, though. I can tell you how bored I was when I was sick. Um, but looking back, it's, I mean, it's just, uh, we'll, we'll get to it. There, there's a, I, I remember it pretty vividly, even though I haven't seen it in 20 years. So I'll, uh, I look forward to talking about it. There you go. So yeah, we'll have Kevin come back, hopefully, you know, assuming he's actually doing what he says and is not like sneaking away and being in some uh, random foreign country that we don't know about in the jail but he'll come back he has a lot of um you know knowledge 
from watching all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for this episode, but we need your help. So send it out there. Um, for now, we're going to move on. So we, we skipped the quack question last week because, you know, we were waiting for the quack question of the year to finish. So we're going to come back with two uh, quack questions here, uh, both sort of related to coaching, which I think is interesting. Um, so, Tommy, do you want to talk about the original Mighty Ducks co- or D- D5 coach, I should say, first, or Ted O'Ryan? Let's talk about um, let's talk about the the original D five coach because he is enigmatic. All right, so this one comes from Danny, uh, formerly at D Reisner twelve on Twitter. I, I don't think he's still on Twitter, uh, but he says, "Hey guys, what happened to the original coach? We know he had a heart attack, but I don't think he died. I assumed he just couldn't coach anymore. Does he follow the duck season? Is he rooting for them?" Does he ever coach again? Um, and then he says some nice stuff about, you know, thanks for doing the show. And he looks forward to our cameos on uh, Mighty Ducks Game Changers. So what happened to the original coach? Obviously, he had a heart attack, couldn't coach. We've we discussed him a little bit um, just about how he <clears throat> had that heart attack. And, you know, he might have been involved in some nefarious stuff. But does he follow the duck season? Is is he rooting for him? Both good questions. So one thing I don't think we've talked about is, do we think that this coach had any connection to any of the Ducks players? Like, was it someone's uncle, someone's dad, someone's yeah. older brother? I mean, that's a good point. You would figure it would be uh, just with the way youth sports works. But that level this- with, like, crappy team, you know, you got to figure – you got, you know, someone's dad is coaching the team or someone's mom. Um, I never got the feeling that it was or maybe that kid's no longer in the team because if it was, that's all they would talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be interesting. Like we talk about Peter Mark's broken home. Maybe this is what broke it. Uh, yeah. I mean, he does seem. Um, Although he's going to make fun of him. Yeah, he makes fun of him, but maybe it's because he hated him or something. Maybe he was a a mean parent or guardian or whatever it was. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think people who were there who didn't maybe say much and just sort of like left it. Uh, we know carp comes from a loving family. We've that's established. Um, you have Goldberg, you have obviously Charlie's dad, not in the picture. Was it a, uh, was it Guy's dad? And that's why Connie is like all over him. It's like, she feels sorry for him. Cause he just lost his dad. Hmm. Maybe. I don't feel like Guy's dad would be that actually let's assume it's actually another criminal, like uh some kind of community servicing a la Bombay. Yeah. So it's a criminal of sorts. Um and I guess they give guys who get DUIs or allow them to coach hockey. <laughs> yeah. Um so it doesn't necessarily have to be like um like a, a really like easy crime that he this person did. Um I think he coaches them, has a heart attack, and like never thinks of them again until he reads like USA Today the next year and says, "What the fuck? Like these kids <laughs> that I coached are playing the Goodwill games are terrible." Yeah, yeah. I don't think he follows the duck season at all until maybe you know he reads a Let's Play Hockey about the state title game and how this this team came together and uh, made it to the championship. Um, 
So yeah, maybe he even misses that though. And it doesn't see him until the junior goodwill game. So once he sees them in those junior goodwill games, is he rooting for them? Like the, does he, you know, turn the corner and be like, oh, those were my kids? Does he feel any sort of um, pride because he, quote unquote, coached them? I think he does eventually. Um, he sees, probably sees one of them like around town or something like that. Oh, I'm so proud of you kids, you know. Maybe he realizes how much of an ass he was. Or maybe he relapses and he's in prison. <laughs> we know yeah. what Kevin would say. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he sees them junior girl games for reason USA Today. Uh, roots for them like he roots for because he roots for USA but I don't think he's rooting for them necessarily because you know they were his kids it certainly seemed like he he didn't want to be there and the kids didn't want him there um, so he had the old heart attack whether that's real or fake he might have just faked the heart attack and said I couldn't do it um, that's a good point yeah so does he ever coach again no doctor's orders <laughs> oh doctor's orders yeah that would make sense. Like if you had a heart attack coaching youth hockey, you probably there's probably something wrong with you. Also, it seems to have had some anger management issues, which A probably led him to like get this community service and B have a heart attack coaching these kids. So he can't put himself in, the, in that kind of scenario. Um, yeah. so I think he never coaches again. Um, and perhaps maybe he died shortly after the heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you said, made doctor's orders. Maybe his doctor was just like, hey, maybe it's not a good idea if you're a coach. Like, you can do your community service by, you know, picking up trash on the road or something like that. What other community service would he do then? Um, he can't really be a physical activity. Um, volunteering at a soup kitchen, maybe, where you're just yeah, like doing some... Maybe he works for a charity and does like administrative work or like administrative duty for a charity or something. Yeah. Uh, Got to make sure he can't steal anything though. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So he'd have to be supervised, but I, I think there's uh, organizations out there for him. So uh, to recap what happened, to the original coach, obviously we, we don't think he died right away either. Um, but he, you know, lives a, a pretty bleak life there. Does he follow the duck season? No. Is he rooting for them? Kind of, but not really. Does he ever coach again? We say no. So, uh, anything else on this other, other ducks coach before we move on? No, but you got to wonder, like, and this is probably something just to ponder. Um, how did this crappy coach get involved to begin with in terms of Hans pulling the strings? Mm. And so when Bombay got his DUI or whatever, did Hans like somehow uh, induce the heart attack, switch his pills around or something like that, get the coach opening? Something to think about, something we'll ask Kevin about. Yeah, no, that is a good point. Cause like, I think there's two ways you could go here. There's, yeah, this coach was just a coach and Hans sort of opened this opportunity for him or you know, this was one of Hans's guys. He was the Gordon Bombay before Gordon Bombay, and he just never um, got them going, and he never had the whole change of heart. Um, so, yeah, maybe this is something Hans does where he funnels select people to this team or to this league to coach um, so he can take advantage of them in some way. Uh, so, yeah, a lot to think about with that. Yeah, we, we might have to revisit this one. Uh, the more we talk about it, the, the deeper we go here. All right. So the next one comes from Ron. 
He says, first time writer, long time listener. Thanks, Ron. Duck call to Ron. I got the I got the 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 duck call here. I'm I'm gonna use it. Duck call to Ron. Uh, he has an observation that I think needs a bit more exploring if you're so inclined. So we've talked about this a little bit, but Ron goes deeper. So I wanted to revisit this. He says, Ted Orion is massively overqualified for the job he has as a freshman coach for Eden Hall. He's a former NHL player who used to play for the North Stars. And I think he deserves a bit more credit for winning 10 consecutive state championships. After all, it's Orion who coaches the players before they get to varsity. He's shown throughout D3 that he's the first coach to teach the kids about real hockey. He clearly is a good coach. So what is he doing teaching a bunch of knucklehead underclassmen the basics of hockey? He's not getting the varsity good gig because of the success that the team has had over the years. He clearly doesn't like the politics of the school because of the administration and the boosters constant meddling in and with his team. I know he wants to be near his daughter after her accident, but why doesn't he have a varsity gig of his own at another private school in town or some smaller role with the University of Minnesota's hockey team. Bombay, I believe, vouches for him, which is my first red flag because Bombay doesn't know anything about character. Bombay knows a lot about Orion's situation with his daughter and past, as he explains to Charlie. But did he divulge everything he knows about Orion? My theory is that Bombay and Orion go way back because there may have been a time when Orion needed Bombay and Ducksworth's legal services and that is the reason why orion is not employable beyond the current job that he has am i crazy here maybe (laughs) he didn't say maybe that's editor's note orion is hands down the best coach have the best coach the ducks have played for but there's something fishy about why he has that gig in his first place and taking into account how massively overqualified he is for that job let me know what you think so like I said, we've discussed Orion on the freshman team. Um, we, we sort of said our theory was that he was the coach in waiting. They had made him the deal that, hey, you're going to be the varsity coach when the varsity coach steps down, which is going to be relatively soon. And then things went south and Orion actually uh, did a big thing when he quit the team because he knew he was quitting the varsity job as well. Or when he said, basically it was, me or the kids so the thing that ron gets into is this whole bombay orion relationship which does seem fishy do we think that bombay and orion were friends before that did they have contact before um or i guess further contact beyond just bombay sort of knowing who he is in town so here's my theory and i'm gonna try not to be too long-winded so as far as Bombay and Orion, um, Bombay went to Eden Hall, that's established. And so I think that Orion also has an Eden Hall tie. They seem like they could be a similar age. Maybe they like one was on varsity when the other one was freshman, vice versa. And so they know of each other. Um, and clearly Orion, if he played in the NHL, he, was, he would have been one of like the best player in the team, like easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he was at Eden Hall for like a couple of years before he went pro or something. Um, I think Orion is at Eden Hall because of a uh, loyalty and that being potentially being the coach in waiting, but also I imagine Eden Hall, if he was there when his you know daughter had the accident, then, um, or if his daughter was there, there's like, Hey, like, don't worry about, you know, tuition or anything like that, or we're going to make every accommodation for your daughter as possible. So she can like continue to get her education, blah, blah, blah. And then same thing, like if Orion was like an assistant or, 
they said, hey, we've got a job for you so you can get benefits to pay for your daughter's treatment or something like that because he was like leaving the NHL. And so maybe he uh, like, maybe he leaves the NHL, he gets like this assistant coaching gig to get benefits and he's just got a tremendous amount of loyalty for Eden Hall. Um, and, he, and he is obviously a great hockey mind. Um, so maybe he's a JV coach and there also could be some things like, maybe he doesn't have like um, a certain certification where he could be a varsity coach, mm-hmm. um, which, which could be either some state, that's more of a public school kind of thing. Um, I think it's a, a good topic to explore, but I, I think there's an Eden Hall connection before, and it could be that Orion either played there or maybe he like played against them at some point, and that's how Bombay like knew of him. But I, also, if he was a pro player, then you'd think that Bombay would know who he is, and then you'd think some of these Ducks would know who he is as well. Yeah, that's the thing. So Bombay and Orion, you figure, like you said, both Eden Hall alums were assuming here probably ran in the same circles, whether it was the Eden Hall circles or the hockey circles or both. So yeah, it it's not out of the ordinary for Bombay to know who he is. The The fact about the kids not knowing this guy who played in the NHL uh, would probably... I guess it's the nineties. Like you don't have the internet, like, well, you don't have the internet the way it is now um, where everybody's on there. So who knows how much they know you would figure that'd be something that uh, Eden Hall touts. Like you have this former NHL or who's the coach now um, the accident. Yeah. I think is key. As you mentioned, the loyalty, uh, he also has a little more time as the freshman coach. You figure it's not as demanding of a job as the varsity coach. So maybe he values that because uh, he wants his, to be there for his daughter. Um, that, that's a really good point. Although you would think that he's also like at the varsity games and like an assistant on the bench, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. He's probably there. But he's not He's not game planning for for these varsity opponents or anything. Oh, he probably is doing something. He has some responsibility, but he's not the one staying at the office till like 9 p.m. Yeah, uh, it's a good point though. Like the, like in Texas high school football, what happens is, you know, the varsity coaches, they coach their game the same time the JV or uh, the middle school coaches go and scout the next opponent. Um, so I don't know if that's a similar situation for Orion, which would be actually more work for him. Uh, we, we, we need some Minnesota high school hockey experts on this. Well, we'll maybe we'll talk to Bo Brower about this situation. Uh, he played for Adina. He could give some insight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's not, you figure the varsity coach has a lot of obligations uh, just for the boosters and, and things like that, that maybe Orion doesn't go to. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's not out of the question that he's been offered varsity gigs elsewhere and he's just turned them down because of the loyalty here. So yeah, maybe, maybe he's not as um, nefarious as Ron is thinking. Ron's just always looking for the worst, which, you know, in, in with our podcast is not out of uh, the question. So I don't, I don't want to leave us on a down note, but Orion, what was the accident that got his daughter? Oh. Was he drunk behind the wheel? Is that how he knows Bombay? Were they in like an AA meeting together? Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, I think we just busted this open. I think 
Orion. Yeah, maybe Orion uh, turned his life around after this accident. This was rock bottom. Yeah, if he was like a hotshot athlete and then, although yeah. he would have done some serious jail time, but maybe it was all swept under the carpet. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Like how how did his daughter get in this accident is a very deep question that I don't know if I'm prepared to like really confront, but if that did happen, it would make sense, you know, and maybe he begged and pleaded with Eden Hall to, you know, uh, keep his job, or maybe they were the first school that like gave him like, okay, you can be the freshman coach. Um, and you know, we'll sort of hide you. And then obviously turns his life around, maybe things start looking for, up for him, but he knows that this whole, uh, that Eden Hall was good to him. And he sort of feels that responsibility, that loyalty. Uh, to stay with Eden Hall uh, until these crazy ducks come in. But to be fair, the boosters were being kind of crazy as well. So uh, a lot to ponder here. Uh, we just opened up another can of worms with this accident. Uh, Tommy, your your thoughts. Do we think that Tom, Ted O'Ryan was responsible in some way for his daughter's accident? I'm going to say yes with a huge asterisk that he's responsible because he was like supposed to like pick her up from school or something and he wasn't there because maybe he was um, out doing something kind of related to his celebrity where he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, your mom can just pick you up. I'll get you like next time. I gotta, you know, I'm doing this thing, you know, this is important to me. And so because of it, it's kind of like a butterfly effect. He makes a decision that impacts it. And so he feels guilty, even though he is not at fault. Right. That makes sense because uh, that is much easier for him to get a job working with kids uh, and not like a community service thing. Although who knows in this world, it's possible that Orion's doing community service as well. But if you're, if you're that freshman coach on Eden Hall, probably not. Um, So yeah, so he, that would make sense. That would make sense why he feels the loyalty um, to obviously his daughter, also to Eden Hall, you know, they gave him a job when he quit the NHL. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it would make sense. Maybe Bombay and Ducksworth team were involved in the accident or involved in sort of litigating the accident in some way, uh, whether they, you know, represented him or, or something like that. So I think that is the most uh, plausible explanation without all the, the fact. We don't have all the facts. So uh, that would make sense because uh, – good standing probably is getting some other offers but turning them down because he loves Eden Hall Eden Hall's they they basically created this job for him when he needed to step away from the game um and then he also knows Bombay Bombay knows him and has a little inside info on him so uh I think we figured this one out uh we we started high went very low and sort of ended up in the middle which uh makes me feel good about that but for us, quackadec.com, go there, contact us uh, at quackadecpod on Twitter, facebook.com slash quackadecpod. Uh, thanks to our producers. We got a new executive producer, uh, Brian Berg. Duck called to Brian. Uh, our other executive producers, Elsie Barnett and Alex Shabara. Producers, Deborah Chen, Adam Ferry, Joyce Ng, Jared Beasley, Lisa Wobig, and Anthony Geoffrey. 
thanks guys you make the podcast go if you want to join them uh, there's a link to donate in the show notes we very we appreciate it very much uh, anything you can spare you can spare you know a buck a month that's twelve dollars a year uh, so you can go there you can go to shop get your gear and go to iTunes give us five stars tell us uh, what you think about Ted O'Ryan's past and remember to send us your best and worst kids sports movies uh, you know they can be 90s related but I'm willing to go back if you have- I'm, I'm willing for for any era I'm very curious for ones that were released particularly in like the last decade that you yeah. know you might have missed if you were you know our age in your 20s or whatever um be curious of the quality and if there's any that are available like on a streaming service maybe we could try to watch a couple yeah so send us your recommendations and i don't know what's the opposite of recommendation unrecommendation tell uh, us what i, I want to watch some of these train wrecks all right yeah. you know yeah. i worked at blockbuster when i was in college um when it was on its last leg and part of the fun was renting these terrible movies that you know are going to be trash and you would just watch it with your buddies and drink. And like, those are fun movie experiences. So there you go. I agree. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. The quick.